Hi, thanks for joining us for this message from Red Church in Melbourne, Australia. We pray that you are blessed by it. If you'd like to know more about Red Church and its ministries, or if you'd like to support us financially, you can find out more by heading to redchurch.org.au. So today I'm actually ending the Platforms to Pillars series with my testimony, my time over the last few months and what the Lord has revealed to me about being a pillar. I can sum it up with this line, pillars know they are a possession of God. To be I'd like to pray. Come, Holy Spirit. I just pray this morning that you will be glorified, Jesus. Thank you that you point us to the Father's love. Thank you that your ministry is to reconcile us to our true home, the Father's love. I pray, Jesus, whatever circumstance that we find ourselves in today, that we would look to you with fresh hope and a fresh experience of you, Jesus. Would your name be glorified today? Amen. So I'm going to share five things that I've learnt through this time about being God's possession through my cancer diagnosis. And the first thing is this. Being God's possession is knowing that Jesus is all you need. Do you believe Jesus is all you need. You see, what you believe about Jesus will shape how you meet life's challenges and how you can receive his kingdom realities and perspectives in all circumstances. I remember a particular Sunday very clearly. It was a Sunday, the 30th of of April, and I had a particular encounter during worship. We were singing the song, Since Your Love, and there's this line that we repeat and we declare over and over again, and it's this, in you is all I need. You're my breath, you're my life, you're my everything. And I remember kneeling in worship and just being filled afresh with the Holy Spirit. And I got up on stage. I remember the sense to share on stage, what would it look like to be a people where Jesus is all we need? Knowing that truth, living out that truth. Four days later, Thursday the May the 4th, I received a cancer diagnosis. Totally unexpected. I had an appointment booked in Never imagined I would be hearing the news four days later that I had a cancer diagnosis and that it had grown so quickly that it possibly spread from my lymph nodes to other parts of my body. That afternoon, I was was having an urgent PET scan to see where it had spread. And as I slowly moved through the scan, the words four days earlier that we'd sung in worship, came back to my mind. 
And as I went through the PET scan, I prayed them as a breath prayer. In you is all I need. You're my breath. You're my life. You're my everything. Around this time, I came across a quote by Tim Keller, and he says, you don't realise Jesus is all you need until Jesus is all you have. So my first moment of surrender, I remember waiting for this PET scan. And you have to wait for about an hour, so they give you like an injection for this kind of glucose substance. I think that's correct. And you have to wait for it to go through your body and you put it in this like room on your own. So a lot of the time you spent just, it was just me and God waiting for this scan. In actual fact, I've turned some of these rooms into prayer rooms and even the scans as a prayer room as it's just you and God as you go through this. And I remember um, just going um, through this scan and, and just saying, God, if I have to go through this, <laughs> make it count. Make it count. You see, when you receive a cancer diagnosis or some of you identify, you've received some news like this with your health, it's just, it's a moment you'll never forget. I just remember hearing the news and sitting in the doctor's office on that day. And you just blank out. They're saying it and you just, it's like, this heaviness comes over you. you can, your brain goes foggy, you can barely think, and you start calculating. And I'm like going, oh, my goodness, Mark was overseas at the time. Like, how am I, like my kids, how am I going to tell my kids? I remember thinking of these trips I had planned. It's like, no, that's just rethink all that. Like, it's just this moment of realising you are completely out of control. And so as I... As I that went through that first PET scan or waiting for that first PET scan, I just surrendered to God's control. And I remember just asking him, I just said, Jesus, who are you going to be for me in this season? And I heard the whisper of the Holy Spirit say, I'm your suffering servant. You see... We don't have a saviour who hasn't suffered, who doesn't identify with our pain. And he came to serve. And so that's what he said to me. And the words of the song, the joy of the Lord is my strength, came to mind. I remember just singing them over in my mind. The joy, the joy, the joy of the Lord is my strength. This present suffering no need to worry. There will be glory after this. I'm just going to grab a tissue. <laughs> so my nose. <laughs> um, you see, surrendering his plans means whatever happens, I have a promised glory that awaits. So it's really important to understand, like, I'm not just living for the glory here. 
but we have an eternal glory awaiting us. So whatever happens, Lord, I just surrender to your control. I just surrender that you can be glorified now and forever because of this. So that was my first moment of surrender. And I had a number of scans in that first week. It's kind of next scan, next scan. So lots of time to pray, lots of time to surrender. But, and it was quite a lot of information all at once. And it's quite like overload. And so by the end, I was glad to get the full picture and know what we were dealing with. I want to share just two particular verses or promises the Lord gave me. And it was just before I went into, so I'd had the kind of initial biopsy taken and it was just before I went in to get the news, the first news that I had cancer. And before I went in, I just looked up the Lectio 365 devotional app by 24-7 Prayer, shameless plug there, excellent app. Um, And I looked up the night devotion and there was two verses And I really believe the Lord prepared me with these verses. And the first verse is this. Lamentations 3 verse 24 says, I say to myself, the Lord is my portion. Therefore, I will wait on him. And the second one is the Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you or forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. And so that was a promise that the Lord gave me that he goes before me. So every step, every appointment, I've claimed that, that he goes before me. And it's a strange thing to claim, do not be discouraged. <laughs> when you think you've got your life on a plan, <laughs> And yet this is coming, crashing in. It's a strange thing to claim, but I won't be discouraged. (laughs) I'm going to keep standing. I'm going to keep believing in the promises that God has over my life. Do not be discouraged. He gave me that promise and that, that word, do not be discouraged, has remained with me. I just want to come back to the verse, the Lord is my portion, therefore I will wait on him. What does the word portion mean? And I began to kept meditating on this and really, um, you know, chewing on this, on this word, portion. The Lord is my portion. And I began to do a bit of a Google, you know, a, a word search um, on this word. And it, and it means, it has a number of different sort of terms for it. So it can mean inheritance, possession, and the idea of belonging. And I was asking the Lord, what does it mean that you are my inheritance? I know there's kind of, it can sound really obvious, but I really wanted to get to the bottom of like, what does it mean that you are my inheritance and how does it relate to my cancer? Now, my second point is the wilderness is the place where we discover we are God's possession. So going through cancer treatment over the last few months has been like a symbolic wilderness. So in addition to my role as a pastor at Red, I'd recently um, started my role as national director for 24-7 Prayer Australia. And then suddenly 
I'm, I'm not able to work in these roles and spending much of my time recovering from the chemotherapy and really in isolation. A lot of my time just boring, underwhelming days, sitting still, just being dependent on, you know, the medical, the treatment, medical staff, you know, making decisions for my treatment, uh, family, friends near and far, giving practical support and certainly praying for me. And the Lord had me reading Exodus. I really felt quite strongly that he had wanted me, it was right to be reading Exodus and he had lessons for me um, in this wilderness time. You see, in the, in the wilderness, in, we read in Exodus that God delivered the Israelites from Egypt to set apart his people, to establish a covenantal relationship, this mutual relationship between worship and love between God and his people. God said over and over to Pharaoh, let my people go that they may worship me. That they may worship me. That was his intention in the wilderness. God introduced himself to the people in the wilderness and demonstrate his desire to be loved and to love his people. And I can honestly say that in this season, God has demonstrated his love for me. And I want to share that particularly two ways he's done this. And the first one has been profound beyond my previous understanding of what was possible. He's shown his love. He's expressed his love through his people. Kindness matters in season. As the pillars of God have stepped into their role and purpose, Mark and I have just been astounded at the people of God in the world. There's been people we barely have met who have committed to pray for me, for Mark, our kids daily. Weekly prayer, I've been getting messages that they're, you know, people holding weekly prayer meetings for me. It's just been quite astounding and not to mention all the practical ways people have shown God's love to us. And the other way has been his presence. I've already mentioned the whisper of his voice in my in the rooms waiting for scans. I've also heard his whisper in the night when my pain was quite strong. There was one particular night I recall in the early in the first month, uh, my symptoms were really intense from the chemotherapy. I ended up in hospital in that first round. And it was actually the night before I went into hospital, my mouth was so painful, I could barely swallow. And I remember just waking up through the night and I heard the Holy Spirit whisper. And he said, I'm holding you. You're like a lamb in my arms. His voice was so strong. And I can even look back on those times now and just think his presence was so strong in my hour of need. You can almost miss that presence when your hour is so 
Your hour of need is so strong. God raised an army to fight for me. He demonstrated his love beyond all measure. So there was other people caring for me and interceding for me. Usually when, um, you know, I love prayer, I love intercession, I love standing in the gap. But this time, I sense there were so many people rallied around praying for me. Um, it was like I was being carried by others, pe other people standing in the gap and it allowed me to seek God's face. It allowed me to be. I didn't sense that I needed to fight because other people, other pillars around me were, were standing with me on my behalf. Rob Reamer says in his book on spiritual authority, he says spiritual authority is rooted in identity and expanded in intimacy. Authority flows out of intimacy. Seeking God's hands doesn't develop intimacy with God. If we are going to go deep with God, we must seek his face. So this season allowed me to just be, to wait on him, to seek his face. And I think that's what it means in the verse, the Lord is my portion, therefore I will wait on him. It just means being still, to wait on him, literally, to hope in him, to seek his face. There were times when uh, I had nothing to give but just sit, sit still and so just as, as God had shown his love, I, I would turn back to worship him. And I'd just simply put on a worship song. There's one particular song I, I would play over and over, and it, it's a song by Tim Hughes. It's a recent one saying, How I love you, Jesus, because you first loved me. It was just a simple truths that I had to sit with and I, I desired to sit with. It wasn't complex. It was just simply being and embracing and receiving the love of God. So I've really grown in understanding the Lord is my inheritance. He is my portion. In the, so in the Old Testament, inheritance is, is actually associated with land. The tribes of Israel were given a portion of lot or a portion or a lot of land in the promised land. And the priests actually in the, Old, in the Old Testament relied heavily on the Lord for their provision because they didn't actually receive a portion of land per se. So, but of course in the, in the wilderness, the people of God weren't connected to the land. So they learnt trust and dependency in the wilderness. But our New Testament understanding, so if we're... What is the, is the understanding of inheritance from a New, New Testament perspective? It's linked with inheriting God's kingdom, encompassing we can inherit God's kingdom, we can inherit the life of Jesus, the resurrection power of Jesus. We inherit all the things that go along with that. We inherit peace that passes understanding, joy that doesn't make sense. His love, all the things of the kingdom. And I can honestly say that waiting on God for his inheritance was waiting on his kingdom to meet me in my circumstance. 
He gave me joy. There was moments where I was actually filled with joy. It just didn't make sense. I'd be singing and it just didn't make sense. And I can honestly say he's continued to just give me peace that doesn't make sense. Doesn't make sense from a worldly perspective. He went before me each step of the way on days that I couldn't have imagined that I would face. And he met me there with peace. It was times I was laughing. It was quite incredible how he met me. So in my wilderness season, he has shown me he is my portion. He is my possession. He is all I need. It comes back to really knowing who God is and do we believe that God is who he says he is. So my next, next point, number three, is that being God's possession means depending daily upon God with daily manner. As I mentioned just before, Israelites, the Israelites learned this daily dependency on God. So God actually had provided for them daily in the wilderness. He provided their daily bread. Their bread came from heaven. But they were instructed not to store up any for the next day. They were only to take what they needed for that day and it was not to be kept for the next day. As it says in Exodus 16:4, then the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. The people are to go out each day and gather enough for that day. So early on in my diagnosis, the Lord was speaking to me a lot about daily manna. And so one of the, actually the first things he did was reframe my diagnosis. See, I probably need to explain to you the nature of my diagnosis is that it actually had spread. So it's called metastatic disease or cancer. A stage four diagnosis means that it's spread to other parts of your body. And so I had to come to terms with this. And knowing that, you know, like I can get the, we can, through the treatment, the cancer can get to the stage where it's controlled. I'm actually, praise the Lord, in remission. So there's no active cancer. But there's still an element of trust going, up, going forward. There is a trust that I will live from scan to scan. I don't know the future. I don't know that the cancer could be in, you know, the cells still in my bloodstream, that they, if I become resistant to these targeted drugs, it could come back. So I had to come to terms with that, knowing that my life has changed. The diagnosis has changed the way I view my life. And Mark and I were praying, how, how do we posture for hope? How do we posture for hope with this type of diagnosis? But God reframed it as a new life of dependency. And actually what he did was put a boundary around us not running ahead. We just had to live each day. We feel we have to live each step each day in the present moment, not running ahead, just walking with the trust each day 
And whenever we, in our minds, we go to run ahead, we just felt a really clear no. We're not meant to do that. We're meant to just stay living. Isn't that how we're all meant to be living? In the moment, trusting him daily. And as the Lord had been speaking to me, he'd been giving me the promises, I will go before you. And he's met me, he's taught me, he's my, he's my portion, he's my possession. I will go before you. I know he's shown me already, in, even in this season, I know that whatever next step, he has gone before me. He will be my portion. He will provide. He's taught me that in, the, in this time in the wilderness. So therefore, I know I can trust. I don't need to run ahead. I can stay present in the moment. And actually, a couple of ways he, he did, what he did in reframing my diagnosis was one of the key things he did was actually speak, remind me of my identity. He reminded me that he's actually, a number of years ago, he was speaking to me that I'm actually a person who's called to herald hope. Uh, I love, as I say, he's given me a role to be an intercessor. And part of that is actually, and to lead prayer, actually. And part of that is actually to proclaim, to walk and proclaim his hope, even in dark places, that we can believe through the power of prayer that he can break darkness, that he can break through strongholds and bring his light. And actually he's reminded me that that's who he's called, deep to the person he's called me to be. I'm called to herald hope. I'm called to herald victory. And so he spoke into that. He said, even though I walk through the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. And I began to claim that. And I remember this moment going, God, this is how, you, this is how you've made me. This makes sense. Is this a weird gift that you've got me walking with this shadow, but I'm actually to walk out the days of my life declaring your victory, declaring that even though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we can fear no evil, we can walk as people of hope. I have a little bird that I love this concept so much. I have a couple of birds around my house and, you know, one of them is actually called Midnight Bird. It's a reminder to herald hope in the darkness. Even when it's dark, we can still sing. Birds sing before the dawn. So another revelation he's given me is to see life as a gift. See life as a gift. You see, you don't go through this and see life in the same way. I see, now see life in a different way to live in this daily dependency. Uh, I was listening to a sermon by Pastor Chi, and he's actually a pastor from Clayton Church of Christ, um, on a sermon on suffering. And Pastor Chi has incredible testimony. He himself had a stage four cancer diagnosis. Um, he's healing, he's walking through, um, you know, his testimony is of healing for that. And tragically, he also lost his wife suddenly um, to a brain uh, hemorrhage. He's got some profound things to say on suffering. But something he said really helped reframe my thoughts around life as a gift. 
He said he shared that God changed his perspective and showed him everything we have from God is, is God's to give. Everything from God is a gift, and so therefore everything we have is God's to give. He said this, he said, it's easier to grieve over a gift than an entitlement. It's easier to grieve over a gift than an entitlement. And that actually helped me reframe my life as a gift. It really stood out to me. It's just like, I'm not entitled to this life. God has given me this life as a gift. So my days are a gift. How am I going to live out each day he gives me as a gift? How am I going to seize the day, make the most of every opportunity? And so I've actually feel like I've got a renewed sense of excitement to live out life. <laughs> Whatever he's given me, he's given, it's like a new perspective, a new chance at walking out each day of, of life. Another verse that the Lord showed me and highlighted in this time, it actually comes from Psalm 90, and it's a prayer of Moses. It says, as Moses prays, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. How do we live with this, this perspective that we are actually going to, live, to die one day? How do we live the most of our, our days knowing, let's seize the day, You've been created for a time such as this. There is a moment right now. How are we going to step into all that God's called us to be? Let's not waste a single day other than God's plans and purposes that will be the thing that lasts for eternity. So pillars depend on daily manner, daily dependency. And so our fourth revelation is being God's pillar means fully living out of God's, of being God's possession. So just as I've been meditating on that verse, that the Lord is my portion, the Lord highlighted another truth in scripture. And it's this stunning truth that the Lord himself has an inheritance his people. And I want to just share, put up a couple of verses where it speaks about the people of God as the Lord's inheritance. And then the first one is this. It's in Jeremiah 32, verses 8 to 9. It says, When the Most High gave the nations their inheritance, when he divided all mankind, he set up boundaries for the people, peoples according to the numbers of the sons of Israel. For the Lord's portion is his people. Jacob, his allotted inheritance. I'm just going to pop up the um, verse 9 because it just shows it with a different translation. For the people of Israel belong to the Lord. Jacob is his special possession. So there we see those words, portion, inheritance, belonging, possession. And in the New Testament, in 1 Peter 2.9, it says, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. 
So we see that this inheritance and possession is a mutual relationship between God and his people. That we, that just as God is our portion, we are his portion, his possession. The Israelites learned the condition for living in relationship with God in the wilderness. They had to learn that they were God's possession, his chosen people, his possession. As I've read a number of Christian, like biographies of great men and women of God, you uh, time and time again, you hear this language being used in these biographies of these people who lived well for God. And you hear this language that they lived as God's possession. And you hear words of, and I just feel like you don't hear this language as much anymore. You hear language like when the Holy Spirit took possession of his life or her life. Possession. We often think of like it's sort of this kind of whoa, being like completely committed to something, you know, you're completely um, bound to something. But let me tell you, you're bound to something. You're either bound to sin or righteousness. You either belong to sin or righteousness. So you belong to something. So how are we going to live out being God's possession, belonging? To God. And in the exam, I want to share like one particular biography read was um, the story of Reese Howes. And he was this incredible intercessor during World War II. And there's actually a whole title of a, a chapter in his book, in the book written of his life, and it says, When the Holy Spirit Takes Possession of His Life. And he just lived a life of complete surrender and obedience knowing and, and desiring for the Holy Spirit to take possession of his body, that he lived as a complete surrender, a life completely surrendered, allowing his body to be a temple of the Holy Spirit. And as I read this, just just really inspired me that this was a man who lived wholeheartedly as God's possession. And my final point is this, fifth, number five. When you are God's possession, you can't go back to being possessed by Egypt. There was this moment, I remember a really clear moment. As I said, been reading Exodus. And I sensed the Lord say, don't go back to Egypt. Don't go back to Egypt. Look to the new God has, I have, like I had to look to the new God has for me. I just sensed him saying, don't go back. I couldn't go back to the life I had, which was secure. At least that was the belief I had that life was secure. And when the Lord was saying to me, it doesn't make sense from a human perspective that when he's saying, don't go back to Egypt, I'm like, well, I actually have to live forward with a cancer diagnosis. That doesn't make sense. It seemed that 
life was secure back then, but he's saying, don't go back, keep going. And there was a moment of like trusting, even with a cancer diagnosis, he wants to take me somewhere better. God is always wanting to grow in us and take us somewhere better. Delivering us, so not going back to Egypt means not going back to a worldly mindset. God wants to take us to a kingdom mindset. He's always wanting to, us to grow and understand and grow deeper in his presence. Don't, he's saying don't grieve what was. But valuing spiritual growth over temporary suffering. I had to ask, am I willing to be a living sacrifice for his kingdom to impact others? You see, having a kingdom lens is vital if we are walk, to walk through times of suffering with hope. Hope that whatever happens, there will be a good outcome, that God will prevail and work things out for his kingdom My final challenge is this. Surrender to God's leading in your life. The lesson for me in the wilderness is that he is trustworthy. He 100% always knows what he is doing. There are so many verses in the Bible about living, that seeking God for his right paths direction and I can honestly say he knows what he's doing you can trust him to follow the path for your life surrender to his leading so going forward I have a new perspective I want to take up my cross daily to surrender to whatever he has for me because I know he's worthy, I know he's trustworthy, I know he will meet me there. And my invitation to you today, I feel like this is not just my testimony and my story, my, but I hope that it's an encouragement. Will you join me to live out our lives as God's possession? That he is our portion. He will meet us no matter what, guaranteed. Will we live for him, committed, devoted to him as his chosen possession? Let's seize the day. I'm going to invite the band up. And to end, I'd love to pray a, a prayer. It's actually the Wes, Wesley's covenant prayer. And I think it really highlights the words that our life is no longer our own, but his. So perhaps I'd invite you to stand if you'd like to pray this prayer with me. We've got it on the screen. Whatever your response may be. Shall we read it out together? I am no longer my own, but yours, O oh Lord. Put me to what you will 
rank me with who you will. Put me to doing, put me to suffering. Let me be employed by you or laid aside for you. Lifted up for you, by you or brought low by you. Let me be full, let me be empty. Let me have all things, let me have nothing. I freely and heartily yield all things to your pleasure and disposal. And now, a glorious and blessed God, Father, Son, and Spirit, Holy Spirit, you are mine and I am yours. So be it. Amen. Amen.